Let's do it. Let's talk about fairy tales. on a totally different total tone change of movies that he hasn't seen that I really want him to watch. He has not seen the Brandy Whitney Houston Cinderella. (gasps) And I know. I don't know if you guys know this. It's Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella. It's now on Disney Plus. I don't want to constantly advertise for Disney Plus. Because I hate Disney. Disney is the (laughs) devil. But also, I really love this movie. The only Cinderella live action that has ever mattered. Mm -hmm. It has Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother. I mean, just full stop. (laughs) Not even to mention that it has Whoopi Goldberg and Brandy. Yep. Whitney Houston is the fairy godmother. Yep. Full stop. (laughs) It's got Whitney Houston. It's got Victor Garber. It's got (gasps) Jason Alexander. It's got (sighs) Bernadette Peters. Oh my God, I forgot about Bernadette. How did I I forget about Bernadette Peters? I don't know because she's amazing. She is amazing. She plays the witch in Into the Woods. Paolo Montalban playing the prince. He is so handsome. If anybody says Ever After with Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Dumb. Garbage. Nope. Garbage. Except for Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston is incredible in that Go movie. watch this version of Cinderella with Brandy. It is so good. Mm-hmm. And the music is amazing. And we all wanted that dress. I still want that dress. Brandy is my favorite Cinderella of all time. I love everything about that movie. We need to do a Cinderella episode soon because there is so much Cinderella stuff to There's talk about. Be like a part one and part two. I love Drew Barrymore, though. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore Drew Barrymore. I did not love Drew Barrymore's bad English accent in <laughs> yeah, that movie. Yeah, I did not love that movie. <laughs> Brandy's the one true Cinderella. She is. Forever. Thank you. I'm glad somebody gets it because mm-hmm. these are the things that are important to me. It's about to get real nerdy up in here. I'm about to do some witch voices. I don't necessarily need you to know these things about me. Half-hearted witch voices, honestly, because no, I... No, your witch voice is great. Thank you. I, that's the only one I can do voices for. I really want to do voices for the other ones because that's how I hear it in my head, but I can't. That's not what this podcast is about. You don't have to do extra voices. I will say <laughs> Dustin does a absolutely fantastic villainous old lady voice. Oh, okay. It's very good. I need to listen to more Fantastic Worlds Pod. I I think I gave you this particular episode and gave you the and gave you the timestamp for Dustin's creepy old tree. I didn't write it down. Voice. Yes, that's exactly the one. I'll give it to you again. Okay. It's a murderous, carnivorous old tree. And Dustin does a that's amazing. great job. <laughs> Fair warning, I also do my southern accent a lot in that particular timestamp. So you're just going to have to get over it. It's different. And I'm like, Abby, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I do have one requirement for you. Okay. To to get you out of the being a bad friend hole. Okay, thank you. 
Uh, <laughs> Tell me what I can do. Um, I do require that you listen to, at the very least, the first episode of the sci-fi one that we're putting out because I'm GMing that and I'm fucking great. Oh, yeah. Abby's starting yet another podcast called Far Beyond the Stars that's out in like a week. I'm so excited. That's actually, you know what? That'll be a good one to listen to for me, I think, because it's starting in April. Mm Mm-hmm. So I can listen to it from the beginning and be a part of it. Because you know what? A little bit of it, I'm not going to lie, is also jealousy. Oh, really? It's also like, why is Abby hanging out with all these people? (laughs) (laughs) She's having so much fun with all these people. I don't know them. I mean, I'm I'm starting to get to know them, and I totally get it. They're the best. Now you get to have fun with all these people. Yeah. Everybody go listen to Fantastic Worlds Pod, um, but and definitely listen to Beyond the Stars, which is coming out in April. Yep. Far Beyond the Stars. And it's super, super good. Dustin and I are crazy freaking proud of it. It sounds yeah. amazing. It sounds like no other improvised audio drama out there right now. We're very proud of it. And if that's not if that doesn't sound like your thing, you know, it's not really mine either, but Join me on this journey and listen to it as well because I'm really excited to check it out and get to be a part of it from the beginning. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and it'll be I'm excited to hear it. It sounds fun. It will be Actually, fun. Do you have a synopsis real fast since we're talking about it? Like just what it's about in general? I mean, I know, but happy to talk about it, happy to promo. <laughs> so it's basically a space opera. It's set in Sort of like this, <laughs> what? Space opera, I'm sorry, I didn't, opera, wait. No, but I mean, but space opera in the sense that like Dune is a space opera and Battlestar Galactica is a space opera. It's not actual opera. It's <laughs> okay, thank like you. Sp- space opera <laughs> is a term for a sci-fi story that is really wide in scope uh, okay. <laughs> that usually takes place on several different planets and the themes of the story and the drama of the story is very operatic. Yeah. We're like, the gotcha. costumes okay. are huge. Okay. The characters are huge. I was huge. imagining you guys bursting into song. Yes. No, we do not do that. <laughs> Although for one episode, I think you should do a musical. All great. All great shows have a musical. You know what? I have been saying this for years. I have been saying it for years that we should have a musical episode. Yes. But <gasps> Jess oh hates gosh. musicals, so we have to get him on board before we can actually have a musical <laughs> episode. Jess, what the hell? I know. <laughs> Why don't you like musicals? All great shows. We're going to have a fairy tale fix musical. Yes, we will I have a like fairy tale fix musical. This episode. is definitely something that needs to happen. <laughs> yes, please. oh my gosh space opera yeah definitely that the story is very epic and the characters are often larger than life and there's there's just a lot going on so this is a space opera set in a sci-fi fantasy galaxy and Mm -hmm. our main characters are four sort of down on their luck blue collar cargo freight haulers they're space truckers and they Perfect. a deal goes Amazing. south that they have been contracted to pursue. They get blamed for it by their company and get stiffed on their bonuses. And then they basically are currently scrambling to recoup the loss. But the tagline where we've given this show is 
rags to riches to ruin to revenge is the general theme of this story. And it's oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I am. That sounds amazing. It's when oh. does it launch? April. April 1st. April. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so soon. And OK. I'm GMing it, which for those of you who are unfamiliar with this kind of storytelling, that means that I am the narrator of the story. Uh, Dustin is playing a space cowboy. Jess is playing a anime cat girl android. Heidi is playing a living crystal. And Angel is playing so a shape-shifting goo monster that is currently taken the form of a six-armed granny. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, I haven't really listened to this kind of podcast before, but I do know for a fact that these are all the coolest people I've ever met. Thank you. Um, I have been so lucky to join the Fantastic Worlds crew, and we get to play games every now and then on Twitch and stuff together, and they're just the best. So definitely check it out. Thank you. April 1st. April 1st. Far beyond the stars. It's it's April 1st, but it's not a fool. <laughs> <laughs> that just oh happened gosh. to be the day. <laughs> tell me a story. I have been waiting to tell you this one. <laughs> For a long time. That's what happens if I read a fairy tale too early and I like take my notes, I get really excited about it. And then I have to wait to tell you. <laughs> so actually in a couple of episodes, it probably got edited out, but I accidentally almost told you a spoiler from this story. Mm -hmm. I remember you caught yourself. <laughs> like, wait, I no, like, I haven't told you that one yet. Because like, That totally reminds me of that one princess. Oh, wait. <laughs> so you might have a couple of clues this one is called the white snake it is from okay. the original folk and fairy tales of the brothers Grimm and I would like you to give me three predictions the white snake man I'm trying so hard to remember what episode it was that you almost spoiled it and I can't <laughs> good <laughs> I can't it's not about a dope rock band either <laughs> Ah, that is too bad. Prediction number one, the snake talks at some point during the story. Okay. Prediction number two, the main character is a princess. And prediction number three, there is a cursed piece of jewelry. Oh, I love that prediction. Thank you. I thought that was a fun one. My other two were really basic, so I wanted to, I wanted to put one like fun one in there. I love them. Once upon a time... There was a very beloved king who had a super weird quirk. I mean, <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Every day at lunchtime, a covered dish was placed on the king's table. Then, only after everyone left would the king eat alone from this dish, and nobody in the entire kingdom knew what food he was eating. Oh, my God. He was, he's eating a white snake, isn't he? <laughs> the snake is already dead, and it's not going to suck. <laughs> That is an excellent second prediction. God damn it. <laughs> so as you probably guessed, one of his loyal servants became so curious about what the covered dish contained that one evening after the king had ordered him to take the dish away, he could no longer refrain himself. I really sympathize right? with this kind of curiosity. Right. What is in that dish? Okay, what's in the dish though? So he took the dish to his room and uncovered it. And... As you predicted, <laughs> as he lifted the cover, he found it a white snake lying inside. And once he laid his eyes on it, he felt a great desire to taste it. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Would you have a desire to taste it? Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Maybe it keeps him young forever. Maybe that's what makes the king so beloved. Possibly. I mean, that's not why I would want to taste it, though. It's more, (laughs) wow, the king really loves this dish, and he apparently has some left over. What's so great about it? I've never tasted white snake before. I've heard that snake (laughs) meat is actually, like, kind of flaky and delicious. So, you know, fun fact, when I worked at a wildlife center, like a nature center, Mm -hmm. I had an old man come in and tell me that if you ate rattlesnake, like cooked rattlesnake, it would cure any disease that you had. Hmm. And what was really exciting about it was he was also Mexican and he spoke zero English. So actually his uh, granddaughter had to translate all of this to me. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So he's like telling me all this information in Spanish. I don't speak hardly any Spanish. And she's just translating for me. And she's like, yeah. So my grandpa says that, <laughs> like, he's telling me this, like, really in-depth story. And she's really embarrassed and bored because she's, like, a, a young teenager. And he says crazy stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was actually one of my favorite memories. And I didn't remember that until just now. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. That's great. I love that, man. That's an excellent folk legend. <laughs> Oh, that was such a great job. We got really fun people in that place. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway, I would eat the snake. Does the servant eat it too? Yes, he does. Would you? That's such a good question. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have an answer, honestly. I would be really curious about what the king was eating, but if I opened it and saw it, if he was so secretive about it, I'm especially, you know, if it's a fairy tale kingdom... I feel like something might be wrong with that snake. Maybe he has like a curse and he has to eat it every day to stay alive or... I'm excited to find out. But luckily, (laughs) the servant does try it. He cuts off a piece and begins eating it. And no sooner does his tongue touch the flesh of the snake and he immediately understands the language of all animals. Oh, yes! (laughs) He can even hear the birds on the windowsill talking to each other. And I can only assume the birds are probably gossiping about how weird the king is with a secret lunch snack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So later on this very same day, the queen happens to lose one of her most beautiful rings. And for some reason, the suspicion falls on this loyal servant. The king said that if he was not okay. able to find the thief by morning, that this servant would be punished as the guilty person. Yikes. Yeah. Being able to talk to animals has not made this king a wiser, kinder person. Not as far as we know. I don't know. He sounds he says he's a beloved king and then it it constantly calls this servant loyal. But is he so loyal that he, you know, disobeys the king and eats his lunch? <laughs> his leftovers. <laughs> can a person can it be is he that loyal? I don't know. There's a lot of gray area in this story. Okay. <laughs> so the servant was totally freaking out, and he decided to freak out in the courtyard where some ducks happened to be resting on the water. He just so happened to hear one of the ducks say, There's something heavy in my stomach. I ate the ring that the queen had lost. And that's pretty convenient. That a duck ate it? How? I don't know. The duck's just hanging out. She loses her ring by the lake in the courtyard, and ducks probably eat everything. <laughs> ducks are dumb. That's true. That's my assumption. So the servant quickly grabbed the duck, carries it off to the king's cook, and says, kill this one. It's fat enough. 
which is fucking rude. (laughs) So the cook does it. The cook cuts off the duck's neck, and when he begins cleaning it, the queen's ring is found lying in his stomach. So the servant brings it to the king, who is so astonished and so happy to have the ring back, and sorry that he had threatened the servant unjustly. I should hope so. He's like, demand whatever you would like and whatever position of royal honor. This king is super moody. He goes from death threats and then any position of royal honor that you'd like. And what does that mean? Like you can appoint (laughs) yourself a member of his advising council or I proclaim myself a knight now because I found the queen's ring in a duck stomach. Must have been a pretty good ring. Maybe it was her wedding ring. Must have been a very good (laughs) ring. Possible. Possible. Okay, I've never lost my engagement ring, but I have. I I take it off at night when I'm going to sleep. and I've Mm -hmm. like placed it somewhere in a drunken stupor after I come home and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put this here. (laughs) Then I like think I lose it the next day and I totally freak out. So I get that. I've never lost it though. I just, you know. Sometimes misplace it. Sometimes I put it in a candle instead of the dish by my bed. Yeah. Happens. Because <laughs> Drunk Kelsey's cracking up about, <laughs> this is close enough. <laughs> I have no idea where my wedding ring is right now. I just realized <laughs> I actually stopped wearing it last March because I just wasn't leaving the house ever yep. anymore. <laughs> and honestly, like I was, pu- I put on the quarantine 15 and it didn't fit really well. <laughs> it didn't yeah. fit so well anymore. Same. So I just stopped wearing it. And at, actually, at this moment, I just realized I don't know where it is. It, it's fine because it's it's one of the it's one of like my wedding ring is one of those really simple. It's just a simple silver band. So I'm not. Yeah. I mean, it would be it was expensive. So I'd be sad if I never found it again. But yeah, mine is too. Mainly it's the, like <laughs> the idea of disappointing your partner that yeah, you lost like, something so important. <laughs> I don't think Stephen knows where his is either, to be honest, like. <laughs> Oh, I can only imagine the like absolute disappointment Adam would have if I lost my ring. The symbol of your bond and your union and you just kind of like, ah, it's gone. <laughs> but anyway, this is the ring that was in the duck. Yes. There was a ring in the duck and the servant found it and now he gets to appoint himself royal vizier or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically the king offers him any royal position and the servant He's smart, you know, Mm -hmm. he's not interested in any of that. So he declines every offer, um, even though he's young and he's handsome. And all he asks of the king is a horse and some money to travel to go see the world. And he was provided with everything in the best way. And the next morning, he rode off. During his travels, he came upon a pond where some fish were trapped in the reeds. And they were wailing that they'd have to die if they couldn't get back to the water. Being very passionate, the young man dismounted, took them out of the reeds, and put them back into the water. And the fish Aww. cried out in happiness, we'll remember you, and one day, we'll repay you. I can't help but think I'd do the same. I'd feel terrible for those poor fish. Yeah, if you can understand all of the animals around you, it's bound to make you like a more compassionate person. Although he did take that duck to get murdered. He did. But he was also going to get murdered himself. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was a morally complicated choice for sure. It is a complicated choice, but just wait. <laughs> so the young man rode on, and a while later, he heard an ant king crying out, 
Get away from us. Your enormous beast is trampling us with his large hooves. <laughs> yes. But excuse me, Ant King? Uh-huh. The Ant King. Mm. And the young mm-hmm. man looked down to see his horse had stepped on an anthill. So he turned his horse away and the Ant King called out, We'll remember you and one day we'll repay you. Soon the servant entered a forest where two ravens were throwing their young ones out of the nest and they said that they were now big enough that they could feed themselves. But the poor young birds just lay on the ground, flailing about and screamed Aww. that they would die from starvation because their, because their wings were too small. Dramatic. And yet they couldn't fly to search for food. That's pretty sad, right? Or are they just not trying hard enough? <laughs> Again, back to my working in a wildlife nature center. Honestly, the best advice... Leave leave the baby birds alone. Or you can also put them back in the nest. Birds can't smell like squirrels can or anything. So, right. like their so parents that like won't. old wives tale, like that that if yeah. a bird can smell a human's touch on their on their babies, they won't interact with the sh- with the yeah. baby anymore. That is true for like squirrels. Yeah, for mammals, I guess. But baby birds, that's not true at all. So you can scoop them up and put them back in the nest. Yeah, if you put them back in the nest. The birds will, you know, keep taking care of them. But also, uh, parent birds will also keep feeding their babies on the ground. Oh, really? If they fall out? If they fall out and they're a little bit too young, they'll actually keep feeding them on the ground. Oh, But okay. it just leaves them more susceptible to, you know, like predators and, and cats yeah. and things like that. So it is better to put them up in the nest. But this guy, hearing these poor baby birds cry out, he dismounts. And he kills his poor horse with his sword. What? And throws the horse to the young ravens. What? What? They eat their fill and said, What? We'll remember this. And one day, we'll repay you. So my question is, what did the horse have to say about this? If you can listen to animals talking, why isn't he talking to his horse? Why? And why would you kill your horse? Why are these ravens... More important to you than your trusty companion that has yeah. that you've ridden with the, all of this. I don't <laughs> understand. Thank you. you I I'm agree. sorry. You broke my brain. What? Also, do baby <laughs> ravens need a whole horse? Are you sure you, there were there was nothing else? Like you couldn't have tossed yeah. him some bread from your saddlebags? Like- he kills his <laughs> horse to save these baby crows. I'm sorry. Why? What? <laughs> Didn't the horse have something to say about it? <laughs> this reminds me of poor Falada. <laughs> I was just about to say, this is the second instance of someone just summarily executing a horse they could communicate with. And the yeah. horse apparently has nothing to say about it. <laughs> was the horse super annoying and he just kind of wanted to kill the horse anyway? <laughs> I guess so. I guess the horse wouldn't like shut up. I mean, honestly, with horses, it was probably a running monologue on how hungry they are, how much they don't want to keep running, and how much they wish they could just buck you off. And with with probably some extra stuff thrown in there of, what was that? What was that? What was that? It's fine. It was a bush rustling. No, no. It's a wolf. It's trying to kill me. That was definitely a cougar. Still, you think he would have some sort of like relationship. He can talk to animals, but yet he kills his horse to save these little ravens. Like his horse has been his trusty companion through all of his journeys. Maybe this horse, this horse was a total asshole. Must have been. 
That, that's the only that's the only explanation. This horse must have been a giant jerk. Okay, well, go on with your story. I'm going to sit here and just think about justice for horses and my fix for this story. I bet you can think <laughs> yep. about my fix. Yeah. <laughs> so the young man carried along on foot because he killed his horse. To feed two raven babies because they needed a whole horse. Okay, go on. And he came upon a city where he heard a proclamation that whoever wanted to marry the king's daughter would have to perform a task given by her. And if he didn't complete it successfully, he would forfeit his life. What in the hell with these fairy tale rules? What kind of sick, sadistic bastards? Yeah, I don't know if that's worth it. So many princes had already been there and had lost their lives trying to get the princess. And there was nobody left who dared to try. The princess had the proclamation issued again because she is a sick and twisted individual. Or oh, no. maybe the princes were jerks. I don't know. Still, this whole story is just like bananas. Okay. Is the trial you have to survive a night with her because she's a serial killer? <laughs> it's anything she wants. Like whatever task she gives you, she probably looks at you and then decides. I love this part of the story a lot. <laughs> I think she's evil. I agree that she is probably a serial killer evil person, but I do think that's interesting and I have not heard this one before. So so the young man thought about it and he decided to declare himself as a suitor. You really want to marry this sadistic bitch? I know. I mean, I guess. Whatever. She's got gold, baby. Like, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so for his task he was led out to sea where a ring was thrown into it he was to fetch it and if he came out of the water without it he'd be pushed back into the sea and he would have to die in the water it's a good thing he can ask the fishes for help huh, huh interesting <laughs> interesting you say that because as he was standing on the shore of the sea who other than the three fish that he had taken from the reeds and thrown into the water came swimming toward him? Yay! One fish held a small shell in its mouth, and inside the shell, the ring. The fish set it down on the beach at the feet of the young man, who was so full of joy. And when he brought the ring to the king, he demanded the princess. Why do you want her? She, however, was not into the idea that he wasn't a prince. So Maybe you shouldn't have killed all the rest of them. <laughs> Agreed. So because he's not a prince, she gets to give him another task. Sure. All right. Classism. I get it. <laughs> so for this second task, she scattered 10 sacks full of millet seeds in the grass. And he was to pick up all of the millet seeds before sunrise the next day. And every single grain was to be gathered or else he'd lose his life. Because, you know, she's sick and twisted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, you can't marry me, but like, no, you're also going to die now. I actively wish you ill. <laughs> all at once, who other than the ant king came with all of his little ant subjects whom the man had protected from his poor murdered horse. <laughs> yeah. And they picked up all of the millet seeds during the night and poured them back into the sacks. So by morning, they had finished the task. That's cool. So when the princess saw that the sacks had been filled, she was astonished, and the young man was brought before her. Since he was handsome, she liked him, oh. but 
she is an evil, sadistic princess, so she decided to give him a third task. Sure, of course she did. (laughs) He was to fetch an apple from the Tree of Life. So, as the young man stood there and thought about how he might get it, one of the ravens, who he had fed with his poor dead horse, came and brought the apple in its beak. This is how he became the prince's husband, and when her father died, he became king of the entire country. The end. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is it just me, or do all of these end, like, crazy abruptly? Yes. (laughs) That's the end? I need backstory on (laughs) this princess and how these trials came to be and what their married life was like, considering she tried to get him killed. That's what I want to know. What is their married life like? (laughs) He is not exactly a wonderful person, in my opinion. Yeah. He is also somewhat murderous. He was okay until he killed his horse. Yeah. He was fine until he killed his horse. But at that point, (laughs) if you can talk to animals and they can talk to you, then the relationship between man and beast has changed. And you now have to deal with them (laughs) as like individuals in their own right. (laughs) Like if he was not a vegan instantly after being able to talk to animals, I don't understand anything. But I like to imagine (laughs) that the two of them, since they're both twisted, have sort of a a twisted cat and mouse evil marriage where but they find that really sexy about the other person. I kind of like that too, actually. I could get maybe that's why he kept doing the trials. I can see like he brings her the ring and he's standing there all cocky about it. She looks him up and down and she's that's not good enough. I'm gonna need to do the second one. And he's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Now it's a weird sex play game and I'm into it. (laughs) Yes, like now it's a kink thing between the two of them. (laughs) Way to make it sexy, Abby. (laughs) I have a very sexy brain and I can't help it. Well, I feel like the obvious fix is like don't murder your horse. Yeah, still help the ravens, you know. Put them back in the nest. If you can talk to animals, talk to their parents. Maybe just mind your own business when it comes to nature. (laughs) Yes. I mean, no, but he was specifically rewarded for not minding his own business, you know? So I I think that like, yeah, talk to the raven parents, you know, put the birds back in the nest, feed them with something from your saddlebags, like literally anything besides killing your horse. They they don't have to eat meat. They can eat berries or grains like. Yes. Exactly. Um, killing your horse should not have been your first option, <laughs> my guy. My other fix is that I feel like as soon as he sh- he becomes king, he should let the families of the deceased princes give her impossible tasks, killing her in a horrible, <gasps> a horrible way. Ooh, because I think she's super st- statistic. Although, no, the, now it's just part of their games. Yeah, now I, I like that better. Actually, that <laughs> changes my fix. <laughs> I feel really bad for their subjects. So I hope you liked that story. I was really excited to tell it to you. I really enjoyed that story. I am a little mad that the snake never got a chance to talk before it got eaten. You got zero points. I got zero points on that one. I really, I really felt like I had a couple of winners. Those were very fair predictions, though. I wouldn't have called this the white snake. It's not about the snake at all. 
But that's the problem with these stories is they're <laughs> often I, I just I need to start remembering that most of the time the thing that the title says is in the first two paragraphs of the story and is never mentioned again. That does seem to be a theme, doesn't it? Yes. The Iron Stove was like the first page of like a six page <laughs> story. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I appreciated that. Uh, the only other thing that I want that I wish we had more information on from this story. Why does the king have to eat the white snake every night? Oh, that's a good point. When to get this special ability, the young man only had to eat it once. Maybe he just tasted it once and he just liked it. <laughs> He's like, mm. And that king is also sadistic because he can talk to animals. <laughs> Maybe if you eat it more than once, you get different powers. <gasps> that would be a fun fairy tale. So depending <laughs> on how long he's been eating white snake every night, is he God <laughs> now? I mean, he's a beloved king, which is pretty rare, right? That's true. <laughs> These are all excellent questions, none of which I have answers for. <laughs> I have so many questions. If only I could go back to 1500s Germany and and like really interrogate some of the women that were telling these stories. <laughs> they would be like, please, please stop. <laughs> Why are you asking so many questions about a stupid story? Here, take this spindle. Yeah, Make yourself to, useful. Get to work. <laughs> <laughs> you have so many questions. What are your stories? Yeah. You got a better one? You ready for me to tell you a story? I am so ready. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, I gotta make predictions. <gasps> All right. Because I'm telling you two stories. They're very, very short. So I am going to be reading you two stories from Brazilian folktales. <gasps> That's right, your new book. Yeah, I got a new book. Oh my God, I'm so excited. So this is Brazilian folktales by Livia de Almeida and Anna Portela. And it was edited for English readers by Margaret Reed McDonald. So this book contains stories told by Brazilian storytelling groups, in particular the two women that I mentioned. And apparently the professional storytelling scene in Rio is really lively, uh, thanks in large part to uh, Livia de Alameda, who does a lot of work organizing festivals and storytelling series at museums and such. It's super cool. I can imagine how lively that might be based on the very limited knowledge I have about Brazil or Rio it's specifically because Brazil's pretty large. Yeah. <laughs> Brazil is very <laughs> large. <laughs> Brazil is a very big country. <laughs> so based on the very limited knowledge I have, though, I would assume it would be pretty lively and like fun. Yeah. Lively, fun, colorful. Is it like an oral fairy tale? Yeah. Most of these come from sort of oral traditions. So... Uh, storytelling instructors in Rio suggested that tellers didn't actually need huge repertoires of stories that they already knew. And mm -hmm. if each teller knew one great story, five or six could do a program. And they formed a bunch of professional storytelling groups. And so the two women who wrote this book uh, are part of the storytelling group Mil y Umas. I've never heard of a professional storytelling group. Yeah. I don't even necessarily want to be a part of it. I just want to experience I just that. want to see one. Because that sounds awesome. Yeah, it does sound awesome. There are storytelling festivals that take place in Rio, and I now desperately want to go to one. Okay. Uh, plans for 2023. 2023. We go on a trip to Brazil together, because that honestly sounds crazy fun. 
a little bit more about this book before we get in, because I really, really love it. This book has a really broad range of stories uh, featuring tales from the indigenous population of Brazil, as well as stories from Afro-Brazilian and Portuguese traditions. And often several cultural influences can be found in a single story. And this book also has an introduction to Brazil, its many ethnic groups and storytelling traditions, and where some of those blended traditions came from at the beginning of it. And I just cannot recommend it enough. I think this is a great, this is a great resource. Yeah, check our show notes. We will post a link. Yes, to the we will definitely post it. a link to it. Um, it was pu- it was published in two thousand six, so nice. a while ago. Well, I mean, I feel like that's our most recent publication of books yeah but it is kind of hard like i had to get this copy used from amazon it's just difficult to get your hands on it oh so maybe don't check our show notes no do i mean still do like check it out (laughs) like definitely get a copy for yourself if you can but because it's a really good book it's a really good resource it includes pronunciations for english speakers for some of the names just right there in the text and um i'm still gonna butcher them anyway so what's the first tale you're so telling So the first story that I'm going to tell you is the creation of the Amazon River. And okay. this story is taken from the section entitled Magical Tales of the Rainforest Peoples. Do I make predictions based on this first one or the next one? You may make one prediction for this one because it is extremely short. I guess it's a creationism story is too obvious. A <laughs> little bit. The creation of the Amazon River. I'm totally basing this off of what I know in something from Japanese culture. Okay, I like it. We're doing some fusion. Yeah, I'm going to do a fusion based on what I know about creationism because that's one of my favorite, favorite topics of all time. Mm -hmm. I am going to guess that the creation of the Amazon River has something to do with a god's weapon or tool of some sort. Okay, no, that's fine. I'm basing it off of a Japanese creationism story where a god dips his spear into the ocean and that creates the islands oh, of Japan. Yeah. We sh- maybe we should do like an entire section on like creation myths at some point. Oh, yes. That would be so much fun. That's cool. So I'm just going to read you the full text of this story because it's, it's very short. It's four paragraphs. A long, long time ago, Jossie, the silver moon, happened to meet the golden sun while wandering by the Amazon forest. The sun was a strong, fiery warrior. As he set his eyes on Jossie, the sun realized that he had never beheld anything so beautiful. They fell in love immediately and decided to wed. So romantic. I know. Suddenly, the sun realized that their passion could never be consummated. It would mean the end of the world. The sun's intense love would scorch all plants and burn all life on Earth. The tears of happiness shed by the moon would flood the universe. Reluctantly, they agreed to part and never meet each other again for the good of all the world's creatures. That is beautiful, though. Jossie, the moon, and sun never did meet again. Whenever one comes by, the other immediately retreats. But Jossie was so unhappy that she couldn't help but cry night and day. Her tears fell on the forest and filled its valleys. They rolled on down to the sea. In this way, the great river came to be. That's perfect. Wasn't that great? That's a wonderful creation story. 
I definitely got zero points, but I do feel yes. like zero points for you on that one. But it wasn't the worst prediction ever. No, I mean, I think because th that happens <laughs> a lot in creation myths that that the world is forged somehow. Yeah. Using tools. With some sort of tool. But no, this is just the moon. The moon's really sad that she can never see That's her tragic. husband. I know. It's actually, it's very sad. It's a very sad story. <laughs> Did you pick a happier one for your next one? <laughs> no, Abby's rolling your eyes like, um, oh, no. you'll see. <laughs> Okay, so this story is How the Night Came to Be, which is a story from the Tupi people. You can have two predictions for this one. I predict that there will be some sort of chase okay. involving the night and the day, so like sun and the moon or light and dark. Okay. And then I predict that there will be some sort of fairy tale creature, uh, some sort of magical fairy tale creature. Okay. I mean, I feel like fairy tale creature can goes along with it's that, good to like, have extra specifications though yeah like a like oh because that one's close isn't it <laughs> abby's raising her eyebrows i wish you guys could watch abby is in like in a video because she has so much expression <laughs> <laughs> i give everything away like on my face um okay. i know that's why i can't look at you when you're telling me predictions <laughs> i always look over here <laughs> okay tell me the story okay how the night came to be. In the beginning, there was no night at all. Only the light of the day all the time. Night was asleep deep under the waters. There were no animals and all things talked. The daughter of the big snake got married to a young man. I don't understand how there are no animals, but there is a big snake. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> the young man had three very faithful servants. And one day he called them and said, you must leave. My wife does not want to sleep with me. Sorry, what were you going to say? I just want to make a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing specific, but that makes me laugh. <laughs> no, me too. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Chad. <laughs> the three servants did what they were told, and the man called his wife to sleep with him. And the daughter of the big snake did not agree. No, night has not come yet. Her husband reminded her that there was no night, just day. <laughs> so how do they know what night even is? I mean, that, that's a question. But also, how if there are no animals, how is there a big snake? These are all excellent questions. Does, does that mean the daughter is also a snake? Your questions are excellent. I can't answer them. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. So her husband reminded her that there's no night, just day. And she says... My father keeps the night. If you want to sleep with me, send your servants to the big river to find it. So the young man calls his servants back. He tells them that they should go to the big snake's house and bring back a special coconut for his wife. And when they arrive there, big snake gives them a basket with the coconut inside and says, here it is. Do not open this coconut. Otherwise, all things may be lost forever. Do you think the coconut gets opened somehow? I hope so. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers. Also, I love coconut. <laughs> I do not. I think coconut is disgusting. So does my dad. Two of my favorite people on this whole planet. So that's how you know you're wrong because... <laughs> <laughs> I love coconut. <laughs> I, just, I don't. I hate coconut water. I don't like coconut in any of my food. It's water. It's food. It's sweet. It's fleshy. 
<laughs> that was a weird description. It is. But, I, but mean, I stand by it. That's <laughs> fleshy. Mm. That's mm. what I like to hear about my food. <laughs> <laughs> I do like coconut milk in curries. I'm not a total monster. But, but like, what about just like shredded? Or have you ever just opened a coconut and like taken a spoon and? I do not enjoy the Ugh. the meat of the coconut, the fleshy part. How dare you? Abby's picky though, guys. She also doesn't like mushrooms or olives. And I like pretty much everything else. These are like the three things I don't like. I don't like coconut, mushrooms, and I olives. I need you guys all to tweet at Abby and tell her how wrong she is. God at- damn it. <laughs> Tweet right, her at Fairy I'm moving on. and tell her how wrong she is. The servants started the return trip. However, they were constantly haunted by Kelsey being a bitch about coconuts. <laughs> Good. That's all I that's all I want in life. It's for uh, people to be haunted by me and my opinions about coconut. <laughs> it really is. However, they were constantly haunted by strange noises that seemed to be coming from inside the coconut. It was the noise of crickets and toads that sang in the night. (gasps) Yeah. Is the coconut like Pandora's box? What? (laughs) After much walking, they couldn't resist anymore. They made a fire and opened the coconut. All of a sudden, darkness was all around. We are lost, they despaired. The daughter of the big snake must already know that we have opened the coconut. (gasps) They went on their way. At home, the girl told her husband, Your servants have let the night go loose. We must wait for the morning to come. And at that (laughs) moment, everything that lived in the woods became animals and birds. The things that rested on the rivers and waters became ducks and fishes. The basket where the coconut was stored became a wild cat. Cool. I know. Hell yeah. (laughs) And when the servants came back, the young man was furious. You are not faithful to me. You opened the coconut and let the night go loose. The things that were free in the forest, now they are lost forever. From now on, you will become monkeys and you will be doomed to live upon the trees, swinging from one branch to the other. Oh, that was so good. (laughs) So good. I really like Brazilian folktales, guys. Of course, coconuts hold the night. The night. That is where the night was stored. That's why they're so hard to break into. And why they're so delicious. They hold the night inside them. And that's, so it's like, this is a folktale that does so much work as far as the creation of things. This is the origin story of darkness in the world. And also the origin story of how we got most of the animals. Except Mm -hmm. for the big snake. That is my fix for this story. (laughs) If, If the big snake is not an animal, what is big snake? I guess that's not so much a fix as it is just a little clarification. I would like some clarification. I do yeah. think, though, that considering we the big snake is not an animal, because that's what it says in the story, yeah. I think we can consider big snake a magical creature. Oh, really? See, mine was the opposite. I was thinking I only got one point because there was definitely a chase. <laughs> but you said between the sun and the moon. Or light and dark, night and day. Who, how, and how's that? Night and dark, yeah, chasing? 
The chase was that sexual desire. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was some push and pull there, but they were not the personification of night and day. So I am. I will still take the one point. I am vetoing <laughs> that one, but you may have the big snake as a magical creature. <laughs> because I don't know what it is. So it must be, it's a, so it's a, it must be some kind of like demigod deity or something. I don't know. Oh, definitely. Well, that has to be a creationism story. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Especially since he had the personification of night in a coconut. That means that like, it's a pretty powerful big snake. Yeah. That was so cool. That was amazing. I know. I love that story. Thank you. I thought that was really fun. I say thank you on I behalf love- of all indigenous Brazilian people <laughs> for coming up with that story. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Um, yeah, that was that was a really great, beautiful story. I love creationism stories. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect, and that was perfect. Just gorgeous. I'm really glad you enjoyed that because I I really did. I, I did. thought this was so good. I also desperately want to know: Does she sleep with him? Oh, I mean, I hope so. He made night happen. I mean. <laughs> They were they were really unclear like... about the about the end of the story because then she <laughs> then she moved the goalposts. Then she said, "Well, now we have to wait till morning." Uh, yeah, that was hilarious. It was really funny. I do want to know. So, if you heard like those things coming from a coconut, you want to open that, right? No toads and crickets and I mean, you know what like a cricket is or what toads are, but like if you think about the sounds that they make. They're so beautiful, like the sounds of night, especially like a summer night because it's it's springy here. So I'm just like imagining all the frogs outside and the riverbed behind my house, the sound of crickets in the summer. I mean, it's such a beautiful sound. It is. I think it's it's a beautiful sound in part because we associate it with nighttime and nighttime noises. And there's just something beautiful about that. I'm not a super fan of night but I like those noises. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I associate it more with like the warm weather that's coming. The warm weather. I also think it's somewhat comforting to have a sort of constant white noise that sort of fills that darkness because I'm I'm also not a huge mm-hmm. fan of nighttime. Um like I, I'm not I'm not I'm not scared of the dark. But but I am <laughs> like low-key a little scared of the dark, as I'm sure like <laughs> <laughs> I, I like warm summer nights for sure, but I'm sure that does come with the association of, you know, having no school or like just vacation time. And yeah, just, I like it when it's warm out. And you and I, we both like warm weather. I know that. Yes. God, I hate being cold so much. Why did I move to a place that gets cold? <laughs> it's funny. Abby mentioned, um, or Abby sent me a picture of snow, like not too long ago. Yeah. <laughs> And it was funny because I was like, this I winter. wore a tank top today. Oh, <laughs> like I literally it was so sunny in Northern California. It wasn't super warm, but it you was like wear a tank top. 68 degrees oh outside. God, I so I wore so a tank top right and now. got some sun. <laughs> it was so cold this winter. This winter climate is the snowiest that we've had since I moved here. This is my third Baltimore winter. And this is the most it has ever snowed, and I am cold. But the snow, 
The snow isn't even that bad. It's right before the snow and right after. While it's snowing, it's beautiful and lovely and it doesn't even feel that cold. But then as soon as the clouds go away and it's just the <laughs> the cold, unforgiving, pale blue winter sky with the wind. I just don't want it to be cold ever. It's not even that cold here compared to other places. Like I have a hard time understanding why anybody lives north of here. Canada, what the fuck are you doing up there? <laughs> it's how I wonder sometimes because, you know, I'm Danish and I'm like, oh, how do people live in mm. <laughs> live how do people live in Denmark? Or Norway or Iceland or literally by putting on their PJs, getting drunk and pretending that everything's fine for (laughs) like six months a year. I'm going to enjoy my 70 degree weather and sunshine and enjoy that story thinking about summer is beautiful. It's outro time. Are you ready? It's coming (laughs) right now. Thank you. <laughs> Dustin, leave this in. <laughs> this is our theme. And it's the amazing. Okay. Um, thank you so much for listening to Fairy Tale Fix. If you enjoyed the show, please uh subscribe if you haven't already, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you want to support us, you can get extra episodes, merch, books, other bonus content at our Patreon by signing up at fairytalefix.cash. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at fairytalefixpod. You can also, and please do this anytime, all the time, endlessly, forever, email us your favorite fairy tales, folklore, nursery rhymes, uh, your fixes for stories that we've told on the pod, and other such things at info at fairytalefixpod.com. Yes, do it. We want to hear from you. It's our favorite. It is our favorite. It's fun. We love building a little, well, not building, but, you know, entering the little fairy tale community. Which is surprisingly, or not surprisingly, I guess, adorable and filled with really cool humans. We're really happy yeah. to be here. So happy to be here. It's We've met some really cool people this way, and it's so much fun. So join in the conversation. The young man placed the baby ravens back into their nest and fed them some berries and grains, then found the parents and simply explained that they were not old enough to leave the nest just yet. Not killing his loyal and good horse, who lived on for many years, and even got to eat the apple from the tree of life for being so wonderful and loyal. And once the young man was married to the princess and became king, he decided to let the families of the deceased princes give her three impossible tasks, killing her horribly as she had killed the many princes before him. And then he found a much nicer and less murderous partner to rule with him, along with his noble steed. That was really good. I like your fix so much. That's the longest fix fix. I've ever had for a story. My fix is a lot shorter. And (laughs) we found out how is Big Snake if there are no animals? Was he a white snake? No, he was Big Snake. I know, but was he white? No. Like, from my story. No, I know. I know. Honestly, I was actually thinking of the classic rock band when you said was he white snake. (laughs) I was just pulling it all together. Anyway, we found out, is he a deity of some sort? We got clarification (laughs) about the big snake, and they all lived happily happily ever ever 
after. after. <laughs> the, the end. end.